There certainly is a huge difference between what God's Word says and what the world says about money, isn't there? I mean, how many times have you been in church and seen a quote from Homer Simpson? So anyway, that was uh, crazy. Um, good morning. I hope you're doing well. My name's Todd Cullen, and I, I know that's for some of you who just came in. Uh, I was up here earlier, but I'm the lead pastor here. So excited that you're here with us. Um, we're in week two of a series that we're calling Help Desk. We're walking through the book of Proverbs together as a church, and as we've kind of planned this series out and as we've approached this series, what we're doing is we're taking what I believe to be four of the key questions in life, and we're using them kind of as someone who would come to a help desk asking for help. We, as a church, are going to go to Proverbs, and we're going to ask the book of Proverbs for help. We're going to ask God to help us through His Word, through the book of Proverbs to us And so today, if you have your Bibles, you can turn, go ahead and turn to Proverbs chapter 3. We're going to look at two verses today in Proverbs chapter 3. Now, I just want to pause for a moment and and say this. As you came in today, you received notes, and uh, I'm just going to encourage you to follow along with those notes. Uh, Also, if you're more inclined, you want to get online and and follow along electronically, you can visit our website. We've got free access here for those of you who are, it's first time. You can go on there and uh, you can follow along with the notes online, but I want to encourage you to take notes and just be in the Word this month with the book of Proverbs. Uh, The week before we started this series, we handed out these uh, handy little bookmarks, and uh, I want to encourage you, if you haven't gotten one of these, to go visit our guest service desk after the service and pick one of these up. On the front, it's got help desk. There we go. Get it the right way. Help desk, and on the back, it has November 1, Proverbs 1, and each day of the, or each uh, uh, week, or each day of the month, let me get it right there, each day of the month for the uh, month of Proverbs, we want to encourage you to read that coordinating proverb, and, uh, or each day of the week for November. I did that great, didn't I? <laughs> that was done so eloquently. So anyway, <laughs> Proverbs is 31 chapters, there's 30 days in November's. November, read Proverbs. Okay, so um, if you have your Bibles, you can turn to Proverbs chapter 3. I promise at some point in time, I'll call Proverbs November uh, in my message, so that'll be fun for you. Um, We're going to be taking a look at this verse, but before we do, let's uh, pray and ask for God's blessing on this time this morning that we have together. Father God, thank you so much uh, for today. Thank you for what we've already done in worshiping you and dedicating two children to you and two parents to you. And God, I thank you so much for giving us this book of wisdom, this book on how we can know how to live life successfully and have skills for living life. And I'm thankful that you inspired Solomon to write these words. Today, I pray that you would guide us through these two verses as we kind of tackle and wrestle with a question that we probably have all asked at one point in our lives or another. And God, I pray that your Holy Spirit would lead us into wisdom and knowledge and give us the insight that you want us to have to know how to become wealthy. God, I pray that you would be with our time together. God, I pray that you would be honored and glorified. Pierce our hearts. Dig deep within us. And God, may you change us from the inside out. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. I'm guessing that I'm not the only one who's ever asked this question. How do I become wealthy? 
We've all probably asked that before. So, so let's do this. Just to get us started here today, um, let's all say that question and ask that question together audibly out loud, just kind of get us all on the same page. Are you ready? How do I become wealthy? Okay, now we've all asked that question before, okay? All right, so we're all on the same page. We've all asked that question. I'm sure that you've thought about this a little bit. I'm sure that you've thought about how do I become wealthy? How do I have wealth? And we're going to be taking a look at that question. It's our help desk question today as we journey through Proverbs on finding the skills for life. One of the things that I want to do in every week on Proverbs is I want us not just to take a look at God's Word and find out how we can apply it to our lives, I want us to make sure because Proverbs is a book that teaches us skills in life. Well, when we don't have skills in life, it leads to bad decisions. So I want us to make sure that we're asking the question at the end of each Sunday during this series, how then can I make wise decisions based on the matter at hand? So today we're going to be discussing what it means to be wealthy, what the Bible says, what Proverbs says about wealth, about riches, about money. And at the end, I want to make sure that we ask that question. Am I making wise decisions about money? That's what Proverbs is supposed to do for us in any area. Last week we talked about what does it take to get wisdom and knowledge. And we talked and and discovered in Proverbs 1 verse 7 that To gain wisdom and to gain knowledge means that we need to respect God. And that means that we need to draw close to God, that we need to spend time with him, that we need to spend time in his word. And so we discovered that to gain wisdom and knowledge means to get close to the heart of God. Today I want us to look to this book that King David's son Solomon wrote to help us to have skill in the area of money. Take a look at Proverbs 3, 9 through 10 as we consider how to answer this critical question. Follow along as I read, and we're going to come back to these two verses several times throughout this message. Solomon says, Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of all your produce. Then your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will be bursting with wine. Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of all your produce. Then your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats bursting with wine. I want us to start today by challenging our perspective on the word wealth or on the word wealthy. I want to challenge each one of us to reconsider maybe our viewpoint or our perspective or how we view that word wealthy. And so take a look at point number one today. We must first reconsider what it means to be wealthy. I think we all have been maybe had a background or been brought up in a kind of a certain environment that communicated what wealth is. Maybe our education had something to do with how we were programmed to understand wealth. Maybe our friends, where we lived growing up, uh, where we came from, where we live now, um, has something to say about our understanding of that word wealth. And what I want us to do today is I want us to kind of put whatever preconceived ideas that we have uh, about that word aside and take a look and find out what Solomon meant. Because I believe if we're going to answer the question, how do I become wealthy? I think that we have to have a reasonable understanding of the word wealth to begin with. Look at point A. Wealth is defined as an abundance of material possessions or resources. 
the word that Solomon used literally meant that. It literally meant an abundance of material possessions or resources. Now, I know what you're thinking. Like, Todd, that's not really any different than how I grew up. That's what I grew up. That was my kind of pre-programming of wealth, of what the word wealth means. And I'm sure that's the case for most of us in this room. Except that Solomon does something very interesting here. Some of you probably have already picked up on it. Solomon begins with the preconceived assumption that you and I are already, what? Wealthy. He begins with an assumption that we are wealthy. And now I know what you're thinking again. Todd, if you could just look at my wallet or my bank account, or my investment strategy, or lack thereof. If you could just look at my cars or my house, you would understand that I am not wealthy. Then why does Solomon begin with making the assumption to the reader or the hearer that we're wealthy? Why is that the case? Proverbs, after all, wasn't written just to the rich, just to the wealthy. He's not saying it to them because he's assuming that they're wealthy because his audience was wealthy. He's writing to today for us and here, Christ followers, or maybe you're not a Christ follower yet. Um, He's writing to us in 2013 uh, at large, to all of us, not just those who are wealthy. And I think it drives home a point, and that is, is that wealth is all about our perspective. Wealth is all about our perspective. When we compare ourselves to people that we live around or that are our neighbors or that students go to school with us or that our coworkers or maybe our family and friends, that you know, brother or sister that we think has a better job than us and has more income than us, when we compare ourselves to what we see on TV and in movies, we are always going to be frustrated because we're always going to have a myopic view of wealth that is incredibly, incredibly narrow-minded. We're going to view it through the lens of our programming or our surroundings. And when we do that, hardly any of us will ever feel wealthy. Am I right? I mean, if we compare it to some of the things that you saw on the screen that the world says, we will hardly ever feel wealthy then why does Solomon begin with making an assumption that that we are wealthy? Well, I think if you've ever been outside of this country, you, you probably have an understanding of that. Because you could go just about anywhere else in the world outside of the United States and realize how abundantly wealthy we are in the United States. Am I right? If you've ever been on a missions trip or if you've ever been, ever been overseas in a country that has a different economic condition that exists here in the U.S., you'd probably understand that you are truly, regardless of your current financial circumstance, that you are wealthy. And so wealth is a matter of perspective. Perspective. From the standpoint of wealth, Americans have a difficult time realizing just how rich 
we are. Going through a little mental exercise, which I'm going to do here in a moment, that was suggested by uh, Robert uh, Heilbronner can help us to count our blessings. Imagine doing the following for a moment, just for a moment. Imagine doing these things, and you'll see how daily life is for a billion people around the world. Imagine with me for a moment if you were to go home today and you were to take out all of your furniture in your home except for a table and a couple of chairs and that you used blankets and pads for your beds. Imagine with me if you were to take away all of your clothing except for your oldest piece of clothing that you have in your house and you'd leave only one pair of shoes. Imagine with me if you went home today and you emptied the pantry and your refrigerator except for one small bag of flour, some sugar, and some salt, a few potatoes, a few dried beans, and onions. If you can imagine that, you can imagine what a billion people around the world live like. Then dismantle your whole bathroom Shut off all the running water in your house and remove all the electrical wiring in your house. Take away the house itself and move the family into a very small shed. And you'll understand how a billion people feel around the world. Place your house, your new house, in a shanty town. Cancel all subscriptions to newspapers, online things, magazines, book clubs. There's no great loss in that because you don't know how to read. Cancel all of that. Leave only one radio for the whole shantytown. Move the nearest hospital or clinic 10 miles away and put a midwife in charge instead of a doctor. Throw away all your bank books, doctor certificates, pension plans, and insurance policies. Leave the family a cash hoard of $10. And you'll know how a billion people in the world live then give the, head, give the head of the family a few acres to cultivate on which he can raise a few hundred dollars a year in cash crops of which one-third will go to the landlord and one-tenth to the money leaders. Lop off 25 or more years of life expectancy and you and I can maybe have a glimpse of how one billion people in the world live. Let's face it. Let's face it, church. We in America are wealthy, aren't we? And I know what you're thinking. I know what you're saying because I've said the same things before, but it costs so much more here. It does. Absolutely, it does. Living in the United States of America costs a lot of money. It does. Living in Hilton Head Island makes it even more money, doesn't it? It costs a lot of money, except for our gas prices. But we are still wealthy as a society. You see, our view is so myopic, isn't it? It is so small-minded. There are stats all over the place that can help prove my point. Point B is one that I pulled. Statistics say that if you earn $20,000 per year, you are in the top 4% of the richest people in the world. If you earn $20,000 a year, you're in the top 4% of the richest people in the world. We don't understand what it means to be poor in the United States. Yes, it, we still have struggles. 
Yes, we still struggle financially. Yes, we still have uh, hardships and heartaches financially. We all have been there. We've all been through them. But we can't say here in the United States that we're poor. You see, wealth is a matter of perspective. If you earn $20,000 a year in the United States, you are living basically at the poverty level. But in Belize, a country that we do missions work in, if you earn $1,500 a year, $1,500, that's $1,500 a year, you're below the poverty level. You're at the poverty level in Belize. You see, wealth is just a matter of perspective. And I want to challenge you this morning to change your perspective. God does Solomon did in this book, and my message here is not to make you feel guilty or bad. My, my, my point in saying these things is to make us realize that we have wealth, don't we? We have wealth living here in the United States of America. So I want us to reconsider or challenge us to reconsider our perspective on what we consider wealthy. In fact, here's what I want you to do this morning. For the remainder of our time, regardless of what your financial situation is, and I know there's heartaches out there. We'll talk about that at the end of the message. But for the remainder of the message, I want you to put aside any preconceived ideas that you have that you're not wealthy. Just do me that favor for at least the next 20 minutes or so. Just put aside some of those ideas that you're not wealthy, that God has made you wealthy in him, and he's already given you so much. Additionally, for the sake of argument, let's define wealth as the plenty that God has already given us. I think that's a great definition of wealth, the plenty that he has already given us. We're going to talk about that word plenty in just a moment, but of course, we haven't answered the question yet. How do I become wealthy, have we? We haven't really answered the help desk question. So let's keep moving. Point number two, we must realize that there is a direct connection, a direct correlation between giving God our first fruits and being wealthy. There is a direct correlation between giving God our first fruits and being wealthy. Let's take a look at the passage again. Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of all your produce. Then your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will be bursting with wine. I want to talk for a moment about the word honor. The word honor literally means, as Solomon uses it here, it literally means to give weight to. So Solomon is saying, give weight to the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of all your produce. Give weight to. Think about that for a moment. Give weight to. Not in pounds but in terms of respect and honor. Give weight to God. Think about a student who does amazing things academically. What do we say that a student who does things academically is? We say they're a what student? Honor student. And in doing so, we give weight, we give attention to what they have done in the classroom. Am I right? How about an athlete on, on the field or the court or the course? When they succeed on the field or the court or the course, we honor them because of what they've done out there for themselves athletically or for their team. We honor them in that regard. Even in colleges today, we honor both students and athletes. Think about a soldier who's just come back from war and he's done something of great valor. What do we do? We give, them, give him a medal 
him or her a medal, and we honor them because of what they have done. Solomon is saying that we should honor God with our wealth, that we should give weight to him with what he has given to us, that we should honor him with that. Scripture's clear that we're to honor God with our lives, including, including our material wealth. Specifically, Solomon is saying here that we should give weight to the Lord, that we should, I want you to hear this, that we should take seriously how we deal with money. That's what Solomon is saying. He's saying that we should take it seriously, that it shouldn't just be something that passes us by. Listen, I know this full well because I had so many years of letting this area of my life and honoring God pass me by. We're to honor God with our wealth. I want you to take a look at another word, though. It says, honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits. We're going to come back to that word, with all your produce. There's the word then. And some of you are like, Todd, can we just get to verse 10? Because I like the plenty verse. And I like my you know, what, what does it say? I, I, I like my uh, barns being filled with plenty, and I really like my vats being filled with wine. That sounds pretty good. Can we just skip over just a minute? I promise we'll get to the wine and the grain, okay? But we've got to take a look at this little word then, because the whole situation kind of hinges on the word then. Very often in Scripture, when you see the word then, it's, it's a premise-promise relationship. Let me explain. There's a premise, that means there's something for us to do, and then there's a promise. It's the, if you do this, this is what God promises. Now, many times in Scripture, you'll see this premise-promise relationship and, and, and situation, and sometimes it's not good. <laughs> like, if you do these things, then God will put his wrath on you. In this case, it's a very good thing. It says, honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of all your produce, then God will lavish all these things upon you. And so I want you just to hear that there's something that we must do, and then there's a promise that God makes. Please hear this. This is not prosperity theology. This is not a get-rich-quick scheme. You can't go home today and write a check for 10% of your income to the church and expect tomorrow that you're going to win the lottery. It's a lifestyle of following what God says to do in this area of our lives. Let's talk about first fruits. Point A, first fruits is defined as the first and best of what we have. First fruits is defined as the first and best of what we have. He says, bring the first fruits of all your produce. You see, back in that day and age, the economy was centered around produce. It was centered around livestock, and it was centered around grain. And in many cases, um, grain was the only thing that they could keep for a period of time. So it was extremely valuable. It was extraordinarily valuable to the people of that day and age. And Solomon here says is that wealth is connected with our ability and availability to bring God a portion. In fact, the first fruits is the first, that makes sense, doesn't it? Fruits produce, okay, at harvest time, of what God's given you. That's what they did then. Our economy is based today not on grain, but on currency. And so we should bring to God the first part, the best part of what he has 
given us. In the Old Testament, we witness God telling the nation of Israel that they are to do this and to give first fruits to the, temp- first fruits to the temple a tithe, 10% of a uh, minimum of, of uh, what they earn. In the New Testament, Jesus confirms that idea of giving a tithe. Now, since this isn't a message on tithing, I want you to hear that, especially if you're new here. It's not a message on tithing. We talk about that throughout the year. Come back in January if you want to hear a message on tithing. But, um, I, but I do want to take a moment and just express to you why we talk about joy in giving. You see, it's a joyful thing to know that you're following in obedience to what God says here. It's joyful to know that you're giving 10% and in doing so, honoring God. It's sacrificing a portion of what he's already given to you. So in a sense, it's not really sacrifice, but it's sacrificing 10% of what you earn to God. And in doing so, you receive, I want you to hear this, you receive a tremendous amount of joy in honoring God with your giving. There's a direct link between becoming wealthy and giving back to God. I went through a period in my life when I backed off of my first fruits. And I certainly did not have any joy in giving. It wasn't a joyful time in my life. I was worried, I was stressed. I didn't trust because I went through a period of time when I got away from this particular skill of living. And I want you to know when you get back to the point where you're giving to God, there is a joy that comes from that that's so great. And you know who benefits? Two people benefit. Your church benefits. Wherever you go to church, whether it's here or someone else, your church benefits. Because if we here at Hilton Head Island Community Church, if 100% of us gave our first fruits back to God's church, I would never have to come up and say we have a need. Never. But you know who else benefits? Not just the church. You know who else benefits? You benefit. Because there's a premise and there's a promise. And let's take a look at the promise point. Number three, let me back up for a moment. I want to also kind of drive home the fact that this type of giving doesn't include just our our wealth uh, in, in terms of material possessions. It also includes our wealth in time and talents. Point number B, it includes our time, our talent, and our treasure. I, I, I read a story in, a, um, in the midst of an article in a journal years ago, and I wanted to share it with you today. Um, John G. Wendell and his sisters were some of the most miserly people of all time. Although they had received a huge inheritance from their parents, they spent very little of it and did all they could to keep their wealth to themselves. They would be considered modern-day hoarders of money. John was able to influence five of his six sisters never to marry. Can you imagine that? What kind of brother is that? Anyway, and they lived in the same house in New York City for 50 years When the last sister died in 1931, her estate was valued at more than $100 million. Wouldn't it be great to get a phone call from an attorney saying, you have an old family member who died years ago with the last name of Wendell. Sweet. That would be awesome, wouldn't it? Anyway, $100 million. Her only dress was the one that she had made herself, and she had worn it for 25 years The Wendells had such a compulsion to hold on to their possessions that they lived like paupers. Even worse, 
They were the kind of people that Jesus referred to who laid up treasures for themselves and not for God. Now, some of us would do good to hold on to a little more of our money, wouldn't we? (laughs) I mean, let's just be honest. That would be nice to hold on to a little bit more. But I tell you the story of the Wendells, John G. Wendell and his sister, because I want to highlight that this type of miserly thinking that we all tend to have towards the gifts that have been given to us, even those gifts that are not material in nature, is the kind of thinking that leads us to being poor people in terms of who we are. God wants us to be generous with not just our material wealth, but with our time and our talent and giving that away and serving others so that we don't have the tendency to spend all of our time and ourselves, all of our talent on ourselves and all of our money on ourselves. Listen, God wants everything from us, but he knows that we need to expend some of those things to live our lives. Giving our first fruits is a measure of respecting that with our wealth, we honor him, that we put a portion of it aside for him. But we still haven't answered the question, have we? How do I become wealthy? Point number three this morning. We must recognize what we have been given and trust God with our wealth. We must recognize what we've been given and trust God with our wealth. Look at the passage again and pay particular attention to the second verse, the one that most of us wanted to get to. Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of all your produce. Then, there's that premise promise thing, then your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will be bursting with wine. How many of you like that word plenty? Be honest for a moment. I like that word plenty. That's a great word. You know what it means? Take a look, point A. Plenty is defined as a quantity that is much larger than needed. A quantity that is much larger than needed. You see, here's what I want you to hear this morning. When it comes to becoming wealthy, first of all, we have to change our perspective. We have to realize that we already have a tremendous amount of wealth wherever we are on the income scale, wherever we are on the asset scale. But secondly, we have to learn to give God a portion of what he's already given us. And then the premise promise says, if we do that, then our barns will be overflowing and our vats will be full of wine. It's not prosperity theology, but it's the fact that God will take care of your needs and then some. God will take care of your needs and then some. And that leads us to the last point this morning. If we honor God with our best, we have no reason to worry about becoming wealthy, do we? If we honor God with our best, we have no reason to worry about becoming wealthy. How do I become wealthy? Change your perspective. Give God your first and your best, and then trust him to take care of all the rest. 
Now, I told you at the beginning of the message that I want to make sure that each week we drill down on decision-making because that's what Proverbs is all about. So I'm going to ask a question this morning for all of you, and I'm going to ask for all of you to respond by either raising your hand or not raising your hand, and I want every eye opened and all heads up. And here's my question. How many of you would say, Todd, I have made, in my life, I have made a poor decision with my money. I'm beginning to raise my hand. If you've made a poor decision with your money, no, keep them up, keep them up, keep them up. If you've made a poor decision with your money, uh, my wife's back there, I'm raising both hands. (laughs) If you've made a poor decision with your money in life, look around for a moment. (laughs) Okay, you can put your hands down. You know what? We're in good company, aren't we? We all have made poor decisions. We all have not sought out Proverbs at different times in terms of finding the skills for life. But I realize that this message for some of you hurts because you're in a mess financially. I mean, forget Christmas, right? Forget Christmas. Like you're just trying to make it through the day. Forget the fact that your family members put a tremendous amount of pressure on you to spend hundreds of dollars to drive to where they are to visit them. You're just trying to make it through next week. And you say, yeah, some of this was was brought upon me. But I've made some bad decisions along the way. How do you become wealthy? You look to God's word. And you do what he says. And here's what I want to do to close today. As we close today, I want to pray for some of you. And I'm going to ask another question. And this time, all heads are going to be bowed and all eyes closed. So this is between you, me, and God. And those people that peek when I suggest that. You know who you are. And the question is this. If you're frustrated, I'm going to ask you to go ahead and bow your heads and close your eyes. If you are currently frustrated with the money decisions that you have made, if you are currently frustrated with the money decisions that you've made, I'm going to ask you right now to raise your hand. I'm not going to embarrass you, I promise. Okay, keep them up for a moment. Keep them up for a moment. I'm raising my hand with you, okay? I'm going to pray a prayer of protection and wisdom over everyone's hand that's up right now in this room. And I'm going to ask God to help us to be faithful with our part. And we're going to trust him. All of those of you who have your hands raised now, we are going to trust God for his part, okay? Father God, thank you. You can put your hands down. Father God, thank you so much for giving us your word. These words of wisdom from Solomon. And God, right now, I pray in the strong name of Jesus for those who had their hands up just a moment ago, who admitted, who confessed to you that they are frustrated with the decisions that they've made with money. And God, I pray in the strong name of Jesus that you would help us, those of us who raised their hand, that you would help us to find wisdom with the life skill of managing money, in following your words 
of obedience. God, change our perspective about what wealthy means. And Father God, I pray in the strong name of Jesus that you would help us to do our part by giving a portion of what we have been given from you. Help us, Father God, to steward and manage the rest of it to the best of our wisdom and ability. God, help us, help us, Father, in the strong name of Jesus, to have a plan. Give us the courage to stick to the plan. And God, I pray that you would help us to trust you with the rest of everything. God, help us to lean not onto our own understanding. And God, I pray for protection for those who raise their hand, for financial protection for those who raise their hand. Protect their households. God, as Cynthia and I often pray, protect their cars from breakdown. Protect their homes from disrepair. God, protect their health that often leads to financial stress and strain. And God, I pray that we would walk out of here today confident confident that we have a new understanding of what wealthy means and that you have us in the palm of your hand. Help us to trust you. Help us to lean on you, the one who came and died for our salvation, the one who is our cornerstone. May we trust you in that. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.